Hello and welcome to this episode of Radio Free HPC. This is the show where we talk about supercomputing, high-performance computing, and other tech topics. I'm Dan Olds, joined as always by our co-hosts, Henry Newman from Seagate Government Solutions, Shaheen Khan from Orion X, and Jesse Lanham, our millennial standout co-host. Now let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to another fantastic and probably scintillating episode of Radio Free HPC. I'm Dan Olds. Well, I'm always Dan Olds, but we have most of our crew here with us today. We have Jesse calling in from West Lafayette. How you doing, Jesse? <laughs> hey, Dan. I'm doing okay. And we have Henry calling in from his survivalist bunker compound in uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico. How's it going, Henry? I'm in Stowed Basia, Dan, and I'm doing great. Over 100 degrees there yet? No, it's hundreds are done for oh, till really? next year. We're done. We have a very special guest today for a special show. It's Mark Himmelstein, who is the CTO of Risk Five, which is the up and coming processor that's been making all sorts of news lately. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing great, thank you. How you enjoying Risk Five, and what uh, we've been hearing about it? Oh, it's been great. I've, I've been on uh, for about uh, uh, two and a half months, and uh, it's very exciting. Everything that I expected, uh, very uh, keen community that's that's uh, dedicated and interested, you know, a very uh, excited set of members who are building the, the technology into their products. And the best part is it's uh, spurring innovation and, you know, I think uh, inspiration uh, to the um, computing community at large. Fantastic. I'd like to kick off with a quick question. With the development that you're seeing out there, can you characterize it as, for instance, leaning towards servers and things like that, compute devices, or leading, leaning more towards like embedded devices and the like? Well, the, the answer, the real answer is yes to all, but uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, um, the targets that will come out first will be the ones that have the shortest runway. So, you know, when you're putting out a product, um, you, you need to have the ecosystem around it, whether it be developers, uh, tools or apps or, um, you know, systems or, or those kind of things. And some of those things take longer time and some of them take less. So the embedded world is actually probably the first one who's going to go ahead and, and deliver products based on RISC-5 because their runway is shorter uh, for mm. some of them. And so uh, you might imagine an IoT uh, situation where, you know, it's either, you know, bare metal, their code or some simple RTOS, if that's possible that an RTOS be simple, uh, so simpler <laughs> than Linux, uh, RTOS, and, and then, you know, a restricted application with some subsidiary uh, helper applications. But in general, it's very, very, very focused. And so they have less to do in that arena. So that stuff's coming out first. So things that, you know, are in, you know, various uh, uh, data collection devices or in some, you know, device controllers for disks or in controller boards like the graphics, those kind of things are going to come out first. And then other things that are targeted will come out next. So uh, think about things that are like network edge or um, specific cloud computing, where it's not a general purpose server, it has a specific, you know, um, uh, specific functions, specific purpose, and therefore you can go ahead and um, 
uh, you know, put it out with uh, less of a runway. And so you're seeing things like for Alibaba announced that Hot Chips, what they're doing, and that's uh, coming out shortly. Uh, you, you, you know, you know that our members include folks like Western Digital and Seagate. So they're making great contributions to us and they're very interested. So those are the areas I think that you're going to see happen first. And Mark, this this is Henry. I'm really curious is, can you talk about, because I think one of the big advantages here is the verification tools, uh, you know, versus spending your own ASIC. Can you talk a little bit about verification tools? Uh, absolutely. So um, let me explain to sort of in general, the ecosystem. RISC V International is dedicated towards implementation independent technologies. They may be uh, the instruction set, or they may be things outside the instruction set, like debug and trace, or the formal model, or um, you know things like uh, tool chains and operating systems. So all those things that it doesn't matter where you're going, if you're going to um, uh, be compliant or compatible with uh, the base ISA and, and uh, specific extensions, then you can inherit that goodness and you'll be able to run the same operating system or the same applications between implementations. But all the stuff that's implementation dependent is outside of our specific realm, but inside the bigger ecosystem for RISC-V. And we support them and we help them and we communicate with them, uh, but they are outside the organization. And so there are places like um, Open Hardware and Low Risks, uh, Low Risk and, and Chips Alliance that all contribute to the RISC-V ecosystem. And if somebody wants to share uh, DV or the a design, um, they would do it there. I mean, they let us know, at, at, you know, inside of RISC-V International, we just had, you know, another core come out today. And so, so it's very exciting that these things are coming out, but we let that kind of sharing either happen at the corporate level or in these other nonprofits uh, that I, I alluded to. Uh, is... Is RISC-V still the accelerator of record for the European Exascale project? Uh, that's my understanding. I mean, always we refer people to those uh, organizations yeah. as something has changed. But, you know, we live in a heterogeneous world, and, and I fully expect there will be continued efforts in, in a lot of places where it's multi-denominational. Yes. That's okay. There, there's either evolutionary reasons why they're there or there's some – things that one uh, particular implementation of, of another architecture is there. You know, we talk all the time to the folks in other, you know, um, ISAs and other architectures uh, where it makes sense. You know, we go to the same conferences and uh, share information and where there's proprietary value. We obviously keep that stuff, um, you know, for our own architectures. I just think that it's amazing that the same processor can be used for both very dumb um, uh, input devices, data gathering devices, but also as an accelerator for what's going to be one of the fastest supercomputers in the world. Dan, I, yeah. I, 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 it's not dumb. My refrigerator's not dumb. If they get a risk, yeah. five, it's not no, going to be a dumb talking, refrigerator. I'm not talking about oh. your refrigerator. I've seen your refrigerator. It's pretty sophisticated. <laughs> I'm talking about something like, you know, garage door opener, lawn sprinkler type of thing. <laughs> okay. So, no, I'm not insulting your appliances. Okay. Far be it from me to do that. Yeah, I, I don't think very much is simple uh, in technology today. So it, it, there's a lot of rocket science that goes into various pieces of it. But I, I will tell you, one of the things I'm most impressed about with RISC-V, and I talk 
uh, with Shaheen a lot about this, is they understood this need to bridge from very, very, you know, small, tiny uh, kind of environments up to, you know, very, very large, um, you know, many, many uh, cores or sockets or, or machines kind of environment. And so uh, they very much uh, understood this and they, um, uh, they designed something that specifically was capable of supporting the broad gamut of uses. And that is rocket science, right? Mm. Being able to do that, that's one of the, the, the brilliance, brilliant pieces of RISC five. It's the flexibility. Mark, along those lines, I've heard that people were looking at all kinds of lithography based on applications in terms of, you know, all the way from some of the older lithographies of 28 and 12 and even 7 nanometer. Is that part of you letting everyone use whatever lithography they want? Yeah, we, you know, again, we don't dictate anything in implementation. We encourage people to share that information with other members and to share tips and tricks. Uh, we, we like people to go ahead and figure out what their added value is and try to take a look at the rest of the stuff as, as common de- denominator stuff. And, and that stuff, it's much better to be able to share that globally and not do redundant and replicated work between company and company for things that are you know, just table stakes. That is very interesting. And I guess now that I'm kind of opening my mind to this, it's a little bit of a mind blower. And I'm thinking about ways that this can replace ASICs and and really anything else, all the way up to uh, accelerators and CPUs. Mark, is there anybody doing analog to digital conversion with Risk Five? Is the you know, I believe they are, and 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 I must tell you that I mean we have about 680 members right now, with probably north of 100 of them producing products uh, going into production. Some others are academic members and other things. Uh, but I know that everybody's doing everything from, you know, discrete chips to um, ASICs to FPGAs with soft cores, um, emulators in order to do testing, so on and so forth. So there's, uh, you know, the full gamut of things with people being able to innovate in pipe stages or cache, you know, structure or speed or power or extra instructions that, that help their particular application. So people are, are doing all that stuff. I believe there are people doing what you talked about and, and more, uh, but uh, we typically refer those people to our customers to, uh, uh, to discuss with them about their particular plans. What do you think is the primary attraction with RISC-V? Is it the ability to be able to essentially program it however you want, build it however you want with, it, with whatever ex- uh, extensions you want and extra instructions? Or is it uh, the fact that this is probably a whole hell of a lot less costly for companies that are that are looking at at doing something that really impacts their own workloads? That's a really good question, and I think I would narrow it down to three major things. There's lots of uh, other reasons, but the number one thing that we talked about already is this flexibility. So people can go ahead and add their own. Uh, custom instructions. They can take advantage of the work the community is doing to get over the basic stuff. Um, you know, we can propose changes to the community's standards. So things like vector were 
were requested or code size reduction support, so instructions and, and so on and so forth. So um, it's the community that decides what becomes part of this, of this um, specification for uh, an instruction set. So that, that would be number one. Um, number two is the fact that this is a community. I, I can't emphasize enough the power of pride of ownership and, and the fact that this is like the first computer chip of this magnitude growing up in open source, right? There are others have been given to open source, but they still have major companies behind them and driving them and supporting them. This has been from whole cloth uh, open source. And if you go back and look at Linux in the early 90s, you know, you'd say then like, okay, which OS are you going to use? It's going to be AIX or System 5 uh, or HPUX or whatever. Here we are 20 years later, and it's a no-brainer that it's Linux. And yeah. why? It's because those people, like, they're proud, right? You know, yes. they own Linux. They wrote it. Well, the same thing's going on with, with RISC-V. So that's reason number two. And reason number three is is one of the things that, uh, you know, we talk about all the time with open source, and that is uh, the cost, both the fact that they can share things with the community and the royalty and licensing uh, structure, which is free. So, Mark, I know we've talked about, you've mentioned that pretty much the answer to the question that I'm going to ask, but you seem very passionate about it, so I wanted to give you a chance to more elaborate on it directly. We've mentioned that, that RISC-V is open source, open standard. Why is it important to you that it's kept that way? Again, a, a very good question, and I think that uh, we are lucky at the position in time we stand in history. We don't really have to explain that. All you have to do is go to the Linux community or the Hadoop community or the Apache community or the Eclipse community, and it's happened over and over and over again. And, you know, why is it popular there? I mean, what what is driving open source in software is what is driving open source in hardware. And those are really, right. uh, you know, the last two items out of my big three that, that, uh, that I mentioned. And um, I, I don't think there is a, uh, a person who could have foreseen the uh, contributor model and the sharing model that grew up with Linux. Uh, but, uh, you know, the hardware guys are a little bit behind. And so uh, most of the, again, most of the open hardware things uh, have really been, you know, like, you know, Spark or MIPS or Power or, or Alpha, you know, they, they've been donated um, whole cloth after they've, they, wholly after they've been developed in those companies. Um, and then those companies give it because they believe now it's a good idea to do open source. Uh, but it's it's really hard for the community to totally uh, embrace it and support it. And it really requires the contributor, the major contributor of, of that technology to stay involved and fund a lot of the work. Uh, we don't work that way, right? We work more like Linux and Hadoop. But um, we're lucky. We stand on the shoulders of giants. It's it's like really great. Um, they've they've set the model. Um, we're we're happy with that model, and we think that it is you know pretty self-explanatory in the year 2020. Mark, this is Henry. I mean, it, it kind of seems like I mean, and you know, Linus stood on the you know Kernigan and Ritchie on on that, and the and the Solaris people, and you're kind of. I think it's come down to is that you're commoditizing, you know, add, subtract, multiply, divide. And the real, real thing that people want is whether it's, you know, 
uh, a storage device and it's an ASIC and you just want to read or write to your flash or your hard drive or a network device or whatever. And this is just, in my mind, the commoditization of the, you know, the, the device. And you really want just to be able to use that, that device in a simple way. What do you think of that? Yeah, I, I think that it's a more complex answer than that. Um, so there are definitely people who are just using this technology because uh, it is free and it's easy for them to go ahead and incorporate to their FPGA or to their their more complex you know, discrete chip or, or whatever. And, and so there are some people who are just doing that. And so they're just using it out of convenience. But there's all another whole host of people who are innovating in one way or another. You know, it could be low power, it could be um, performance at the higher end, it could be uh, a something targeted specifically to somebody somebody's uh, neural net uh, stuff or machine learning stuff. It could be any one of those things. So I would say it's a, it's a coupling of, yes, I, I, I wouldn't, I don't know whether you'd call Linux commoditization of operating systems, but if that's what you call it, then this is commoditization of the base part of the ISA and the ability to go ahead and share it while enabling innovation, right? It, the big thing is that people get to innovate on top of the base, right? And they can, they can go ahead and do whatever they want to help their environment. It could be, again, something as simple as power, uh, again, I'm not sure if simple is the right word, uh, but, but, or something like you know, how many stages of the pipe there are, how many cores in, in a die, um, the interconnect between it and memory or it and IO, the security, you know, like for places like defense and stuff to make sure that things are, uh, you know, immune to, you know, specter and you know, meltdown and things like that. So, so for us, we are an enabler of the base piece of this commoditized piece that you're talking about, but we are also um, a, a, you know, incredibly encouraging to the community to innovate on top of that and add value on top of that. And again, the blessing here is that they can do that. Fantastic. What are some of your goals moving forward with Risk Five, Mark? Again, a, a very good question. You know, I've been here for two months and I've gotten some. Uh, lay of the land. And, you know, obviously the first thing that I'm concerned about and want to make sure happens, um, and, and I'm here to help that happen, is for us to get over the finish line on specifications that have started, right? Mm -hmm. And so I've stepped in with a bunch of people and we've done brainstorming in various places. Uh, but, you know, everybody's got a day job. They're putting out products based on RISC-5. And so there's a balance between how much they, they give to RISC-5 International and how much they give to RISC-5 products in their own companies. And uh, we're working very hard to make sure that probably have about uh, close to 10 specifications that have started and are working towards ratification or approval. And so, uh, again, number one thing, finish what we started. Number two thing, do a gaps analysis about what's needed. And we haven't looked very much from a top-down perspective. We've been a very bottoms-up organization. A, you know, we know we need arithmetic instructions. Let's design, design the ones we, we have. We have, the, the, again, the benefit of history. We know what's uh, acceptable and what's required, and we can go ahead and do that. That's even true of, of things like pressed instructions or doing floating point operations on integer registers called Z-Things. There's a bunch of those things that are just well known, and 
you know, we're going ahead and making sure that they are implemented. But we need to go ahead and look at things from industry perspective. Think of it as kind of an agile thing. What are the user stories that have to do with IoT or have to do with automotive or have to do with uh, device controllers or have to do with defense or oil and energy, you know, oil and gas or um, finance? And so we want to go ahead and look at those things holistically and completely. And we'd rather do a few things really well in the beginning and then add as time goes on. Uh, but I really want us to take a broader look. And so I'm up leveling the organization to talk about strategic items and to talk about this sort of fleet look at things. And so I, what I'd like to accomplish is getting uh, that underway and have a start um, being able to tell a broader story uh, in a particular vertical and particular industry, great. Uh, make them successful. Thank that you. is That's great. Uh, last question, because I'm looking at the my uh, clock on the wall. What's your revenue model? We totally live on two things, but uh, I believe it's it's you know, and I don't. It's not my side of the world. But I believe it's on memberships and on conferences, and that's where we where our revenue comes from. And okay. and we're very small. There's really there's three full time people and uh, a number of uh, part time. Uh, oh, folks. you're very very small. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea, but that's you've you've made a big noise in the world, and I think you're going to continue to. I believe that the technology speaks for itself. This is one of those things that uh, has had a sort of a slow bring up because it you know started as it's at its 10th anniversary it kind of started around 2010 but it really started taking off in 2015 2016 and i think it's you know some of the things that people were doing and some of the royalty models that that were uh, in place for other isas um, and then also again this flexibility piece where people wanted to be the ones to to define it and then figure out how they can extend it appropriately for their products. Fantastic. Well, our guest has been Mark Himmelstein, CTO of Risk 5 and it's been delightful to have you here and educational as well. Thank you. Well, thank you for being here. And we want to thank all of you out there for listening to Radio Free HPC. And we'll be back at you soon with another big chunk of content. Thank you and stay safe out there. Thank you for listening to this episode of Radio Free HPC. And as a quick note, the views and opinions of Henry Newman are his and do not reflect any policy or position of Seagate Government Solutions or Seagate Technology. Thank you for listening.